bowels of One Half Radio Plaza at Life Media Studios. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Real Country Radio. Congratulations, Detroit. You can be thoroughly ashamed of yourself. The homicide tool has reached a nice even 750. Details on the latest leveling from Police Sergeant... Coming up now, we're going to start off the set with... ...in the morning. The Hitless Tigers could use this guy's talents. Mount Clemens police have a 36-year-old man in custody. Seems he got home about 5 o'clock this morning from an all-night spree. That ticked off the little lady who unleashed a verbal barrage at the man. That apparently the last straw for him. He picked up his genuine Willie Mays power eyes lightning strike Louisville slugger baseball bat. Proceeded to hit a thousand on the woman's head. Pull you up a chair and listen to this. Secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do ya? Well, it goes like this the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, and the major lift, and the baffled king composing. Ah. Uh-huh. 
life ever learned from love was how to shoot somebody who outdrew you. by small town titans and uh as always with the first song on one of these podcast deals it uh probably is saying a little bit more in the lyrics of the song than i'm really willing to say myself so there's that pay attention to that go back and you might even find some more hidden gems there going back in time so let's get with it we're, we're back on the show and uh, where have I been? Why am I gone? Haven't really felt much like talking. Haven't felt much like being on on mic, being forward facing for quite a while. And there's a good reason for that. If you follow me on Facebook or know me personally, many people know what the situation is and a lot of people don't. So, some missed it and and that's okay. I, it, I, didn't, I didn't hide it on purpose. I just don't really feel like freaking talking about it. But if you only know me through this property or you missed it, uh, here's what 2020 has been. Tanya and I are not together anymore. Um, we separated back in January. Divorce was final in July. And that's it. So sidetracked is now just basically just me. Um, it, it was never just me and Drew. It was, she was a part of it from the very beginning and was always behind the scenes and acting as a producer and doing a lot of photography stuff and um, helping us out at live shows and, and whatnot. She was always a part of this deal and uh, part of my life, my best friend, good to my kids. She's gone. So I, I don't, I'm not going to spend any more time on it. That's more time than it honestly um, deserves. Uh, the only thing I will say as far as, Sidetrack goes, the, the old CTP films watermark you see on the, on the photos that's staying. Um, I think a lot of people mistakenly believe that the, my initials are CTP. They're not, they never were. The CTP thing was always Charles Tanya Posh. 
I started using that even before we were engaged because it was my way to include her in things. And, and she really took the ball and ran with, with, with photography. And, and, uh, if I look back at photos that were taken, I, I struggle to tell which ones she took and which ones I did. She really adapted my style and made her own. And, and that, that intellectual property is much hers as it is mine. And so, and plus it's a royal pain in the ass. I'm not going to go back through and rewatermark thousands of images. Not going to happen. So, um, that's why you see the new one now. That's the, my signature Charles script over the turbo logo that it, that appears on, uh, on, on our new hats, which if you go on sidetrackproductionsinc.com, click on the merch store, you can order our FlexFit hat. And we've also got t-shirts available there. Uh, last second Christmas gift, you're looking for something for somebody, we got you taken care of. It's simple and easy. And as soon as this stuff sells out, which it may never, because maybe the design is crap, that all is on me because I designed it all. Uh, <laughs> if it all does sell out, We'll come up with something new and uh, market that. Uh, what else has changed this year? I don't want to get into the deep personal stuff. It doesn't matter. Um, but I am, I had a new job. A lot of, a lot of people don't know that either. Um, left Dirty Hooker Diesel back in August on good terms. Tony and, I are, Tony and I are good. We're tight. There's no problem there. I have no hard feelings about how, how anything happened. So don't assume, don't put words in my mouth, don't put words in his. Um, we're good and going forward and we will continue to represent dirty hooker diesel on this property. Um, because he, he has been such a good friend to me and he gave me that shot to come up there and work for him. And you know what? It, it can't be all th things. Things came to a place and whatever. It's fine. It's cool. Um, 2021, this, sidetrack is still going to be represented by dhd and i haven't even said this to any of our sponsors lock performance or prime deals and automotive and hook magazine or anybody else who helps support this i'm i'm i have no intention of charging any sort of sponsorship for 2021 because 2020 was such bullshit and really uh i for personal reasons and also covid reasons they didn't get their money's worth. We're just going to go 2021, carry it forward, boys, and uh, go from there. So I'm good with everybody. There, there's no issues there. What I am doing now is I went back to some of my uh, roots and what I have a very expensive framed receipt somewhere in a box because I don't hang it on a wall. It says I know how to do some of this crap. <laughs> it's not crap. It's serious. I have, uh, I've teamed up with, uh, Leo Terzo at the Leo Terzo agency in Washington Township, Michigan, Farm Bureau Insurance for the state of Michigan. So, uh, and Leo and I, we, we've known each other for a long time. We come from similar backgrounds. He was in some of the same roles that I was at both DHD and HSP while working for DNR Customs with Derek Rose. So we have a, we have a similar background when it comes to, uh, what we've, what we know and what we've done and, uh, now teaming up together to, uh, do, do insurance, auto, home, business, you name it, life insurance as well. So that's where I'm at. And if you're, if you're in the state of Michigan, or if you know somebody who is in the state of Michigan, who you think we could help out and, and do some, do some good for, by all means, reach out to us. 
enough of the sales pitch in the sob story. Let's go on. We're, I'm going to try to keep this topical and I don't, we've been off the air for, for quite a long time and there, and there's a lot of, lot of stuff that happened way back when we could dive into. And I really don't want to, cause it's so old that many people probably don't even remember it because everybody's got a 10 second memory anymore. Yesterday on bangshift.com, Brian Lonis, uh, published an editorial about radial drag racing. You can go see this uh, if you, by the time this gets out into distribution, probably tomorrow, uh, it'll be three days old. You have to go three days back, but it's titled Drag Racing Manifesto. It's time for some real talk on radial tire racing. A critical crossroads has been reached. I read through this thing with utter fascination because everything that is in here has so many parallels to what's going on in sport of truck and tractor pulling. It isn't even funny. And, uh, some of it, some of it doesn't necessarily translate, but there, there were some, there were some, there were some passages and sentences that really, really hit a chord. And, uh, I, I want to visit some of those. I'm not going to read this word for word. Uh, it'd take too long, but, uh, the, the, the concept of negative spectator training, training, you go to a radio prep show, you are going to spend hours watching tractors going back and forth and they aren't going to be pulling tractors. They're going to be making noise, dragging rubber up and down a previously glued drag strip surface while you wait for the next rocket ships to come down the track. And if you are, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm not going to go there yet. That's, that's a part of the experience within the sport of truck and tractor pulling. We prep every single pass on the track and we all know that that is intrinsic to the sport. If you are a new spectator, you're new to the sport of pulling within about three passes, I can generally convince you why it's necessary and why we have to do that. So it's, it's not so much the totality of it being negative within pulling. That is the problem. It is how much time it takes. And that's where trackers come in. I, I, we're, we're going to go down, we're going to go down this road, guys. We're going to beat some dead horses. I see things where the improvements can be made. I hate it when the pulling track crew is, I get it. They're generally unpaid help and they want to watch the show just as much as anybody. And they're on the track. So they get a better start seat than you do. So they want to take advantage of that. I get that. Um, if they're down at the finish line in, they're wasting time because there is 280 feet of track behind him that could be groomed needs to be at the starting line or you have two, two crews who go back and forth. The current fad is for the Rakinator on a Bobcat. We didn't have that prior to about, I'm going to say four years ago as a mainstay in terms of track prep. I'm not going to speak for what pullers think of it, but as a spectator or as an announcer, it slows the shit out of the show. It just does. It's another, it's, if we've got two true crews or if we've, we're lucky enough to have Jared Badoon and Todd Whipple and they're those guys out there, literally two guys doing, doing the track prep. It's a third or a fifth person out there doing what they think is right and doing what they think is best and trying to, trying to grade the track in. 
it slows it down. Is it really that much better and, and advantageous what that machine does after 50 years? I don't know. I don't know that it is. I don't know. My compressor quit. Anyway, I'll just keep going. I, I don't know what that issue is. Um, another piece of it is uh, that the, the, the competitors, though, crave it. They, they, they love it. The radial drag racers, they absolutely love what's going on with this glued to the hilt, can't walk on it because your shoes will fall off track surface. And pullers are addicted to that. So the feedback from the competition guys is going to be like, yeah, let's go. You know, keep keep the rakinator out there. Take take eight minutes between hooks. We don't give a crap. Grade the crap out of it. We spent, I spent $500,000 on this pulling machine. I want the best track I can get. And I'm going to, go out there and well radio world set a record in the pulling world there is no such thing because everything's arbitrary because of the sled which we'll get to in a moment um but the, the what what radial prep has seen is that because they glue the ever crap out of the track and there is no tire slip off the line and it's just go 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 if you can harness it without shaking the tires and get your chassis set up right. Now it becomes a checkbook race because if you've got the most horsepower, you can just accelerate the like a missile off the line, and it becomes it becomes literally a checkbook race. And these race sleds, kind of the same thing. It's become a checkbook race. And I'm not saying that I have all the answers of how to fix that. I I don't. I don't. Sleds are limited on what they can weigh to get down the road and travel to and from events. And if you're lucky enough to host a Grand National where you're required to book in a a, a, a spare sled and Vaughn brings two of them and you can share weights and the RV that or or the entry trailer that comes with NTPA has two weights on the on the back of the tractor for that. You can throw in yeah, goody goody gumdrops, okay? It doesn't I don't have the solution for what the answer is to how to fix it. Uh, but the first problem, the first way to, to realize that there is a problem is to address that there is one. And th- there really is with the race lab thing. I, I know that there's pullers who will hate me for saying this because they love going fast and, and, and the fans love going fast. It's not pulling. The idea of this sport is how far you go, not how fast you do it or how quickly you do it. And if we're going to introduce that sort of calculus into my game as an announcer, I'm going to screw it up. And uh, you're going to leave with fans bewildered because we're, we're saying, we're saying the fans want speed. We're saying the fans want ET. They want, all right, how do we, how do we determine a winner? Is the quickest time, highest speed, furthest distance? What is it? Is it an absolute? Is it a combination of the three? If it's a combination of three, what does that translate to and how hard does it now suddenly become to understand? And are we racing heats and uh, is there a playoff and uh, now we're NASCAR and the fans disengage because they don't fucking get it? Keep it simple, stupid. Tractor pulling is not tractor racing. It's tractor pulling. Who goes the farthest? Wins, period. I guess at the end of the day, I'm too far maybe into the purest realm. 
I don't care how fast you do it. I don't give a shit. It's how far you go. If you go 387 feet at six miles an hour, and another guy goes 330 at 37 miles an hour, the guy who went 387 feet won. And I'm going to be, and if I'm on mic at that event, I'm going to explain how, I'm to the best of my ability, explain how he did it, why he did it, and make it relatable. It isn't speed. It's a spectacle. I get it. It makes it makes my pictures look awesome. I shoot slower than most of the guys in the game. So the faster you go, the more it looks like to, to in my photos, like you're going 8,000 miles an hour. That's, that's awesome. That's a, but that's a photo. What is this sport supposed to be? It's supposed to be the sport of pulling. We're not racing tractors. And I'm really not interested in entertaining any kind of contrivance to make a relevance to drag racing or any other circuit racing, oval track racing, whatever it is. I'm, I'm not interested in that contrivance. The only piece I have seen in this where we go, and there is a thread currently on pulloff.com where we go back into how did tractors get the speed and whatever and the history of it. If you want to investigate the history of it, that's fine. I, I'm That's cool. I actually dabbled a little. I was couldn't sleep last night and happened to unearth the, uh, the original lawsuit of uh, Watkins versus Northwest Ohio tractor pullers. You can Google it. Re read it yourself. Neither here nor there for what we're talking about now. In fact, I even distracted myself. Lost my train of thought. Sidetracked. Hello. I'm not interested in, in, in diluting the product. Oh, this was okay. Now, now I'm back on my thought. This is where I wanted to go with this. This is something that Brian in his piece on bank shift elucidates. You have this downtime built in for what it, the product is. If, if it, for this, and in this case, I'm talking about the radial extreme prep. We're not talking no prep. We are talking extreme prep drag racing. If you feel that downtime where drag tractors are going, and I don't mean drag race tractors, I mean like literally rubber drag prep tractors are going back and forth on the track at 12 miles an hour for two hours. You fill that time with monster trucks. You fill it with a stunt show. You fill it with uh, crotch rocket guys doing wheelies and endos and donuts and whatever. The, that that idea that uh, this that sideshow piece has been offered up as a way to entertain people at tractor pulls in the past too, to keep them engaged, whatever. And it generally doesn't work, and here's why. And and Brian hits this. First guy I've heard to just hit this, and it made sense with me. It resonated with me when I read it. Your Fan who comes to a tractor pull or goes to one of these all-out prep radial drag races, they aren't there for the sideshow. They're there to watch radial drag racing or they're there to watch tractor pulling. And this sideshow bullshit is just that. It's not, they're not going to leave there fulfilled by it because it isn't what they came there with the expectation of seeing. So they're going to go home and 
probably not even mention it. And if they do, it's going to be like, well, it's going to be a justification to one of their buddies who doesn't get it for why they why they were there. Oh, yeah, you only had this too. Yeah, and horse shit, okay? They're there for the root reason. They're there to see tractor pulling. They're there to see glued to the crap, drag racing, record setting stuff. So we really need to think about why we're there and what we're doing when it comes to the sideshow aspect and the time filler. I'm not looking for sideshow time filler. I'm looking for an efficient program where the track is prepped in sub three minutes and the next guy up isn't waiting on a an official to wave him forward. Sleds back, wheels down, steer tires, steer tires are up. You are fired and you are rolling out there. And none of this, you know, you, you, you're not John Force, okay? You don't need to do a 300-foot burnout. Get out there, get hooked to the sled, and, and shawl it. Do it. So that's that's what I'm looking for when it comes to tractor pulling. Um and I think the parallels and the questions and, and why we're seeing the spec, why they're seeing, well, yeah, well, we, you know, I, I pay attention to that stuff too. Why the spectator drop off and the participant drop off in the glued to the hilt radial drag racing world has a parallel in the sport of pulling. I, I see a lot of things in common between what he said for that side and for us. So be thinking about that. Sorry, guys, had to take a break for a second there and reset the damn noise limiter gate. It was killing me. I could hear, God, the stuff I could hear in my ears. I hope it doesn't translate too much into the finished product because I don't really don't want to record all, re-record all that. That was horrible. God mighty. So keeping with the beating a dead horse concept, uh, the next one, it was a, it's kind of died down now, but the, there was raging raging debate about component chassis and specifically about in the limited pro light pro super farm light limited super stock and uh have we killed this one over and 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 uh doesn't seem like well Everybody's entitled to their opinion, but it's 2020. My opinion is better than yours. So uh, we're gonna. I'm going to tell you again, and I'm going to tell it to you louder. Here's my problem one more time with the idea of components in Limited Pro, Light Pro, Super Farm, and Light Limited Super Stock, and why I think we kill all four classes. We've talked relentlessly about the idea that going to it means a reinvestment to compete for everybody involved. I don't, you can sit there until you're blue in the face and tell me how, well, you don't have to make the switch. It's a competitive advantage. Bullshit. Yes, you do. Because the second one guy in the class has it, you're all going to have to have it because of the amount of movable weight that's involved. And then the next argument is, oh, it's a safety matter. It's a safety matter. It's a safety matter. In those four classes, I really don't, I disagree with you. I don't see casting shearing off at the rate that any more than would be normal and or acceptable on a percentage basis. You're full of shit. They don't fail that often. So it's not a safety issue. It's a performance issue. You want more forward weight. End of story. 
point blank. That's what you're after. You're after that competitive advantage. And if you really suck that bad at figuring it out on a cast chassis, you will not be that much better when it comes to component chassis because the guys are kicking your ass with the cast will find a way to go component and beat the living shit out of you in the new format. Next. If it's not a new idea, now that you suddenly got a limited pro or a light pro or a light limited super, I'm going to go in and start hogging the castings out and I'm going to start changing all this stuff. I'm going to take all this weight out and make it unsafe. I'm going to make it too light. I'm going to do all this stuff and blah, 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 blah. If it works at a limited pro, if it works at a light pro, if it works at a light limited super stock, it worked as a pro farm. It worked as a hot farm. It worked as a field farm stock. It worked as a damn antique. You would not believe what guys in antique are doing. When they're doing it down that class, it works all the way to the bottom. This isn't a new idea that you need forward weight at a limited pro, so now I'm going to start hogging the castings out. Bullshit. It works at the prior classes, so you're doing it early. You're not just waiting for that excuse, okay? Because I suddenly have 2,000 horsepower. Oh, now I got to hog my castings out. Bullshit. So let's say you allow now that light limited super is an NTPA class. Let's say we make limited pro, light pro, super farm, light limited super stock, a component class, across the board, components for everything, like some of you want. Now, if you're going to go sanction pulling, and you, you came up through the ranks, you did your homework, you did your work, you built your tractor. Now you want to go sanction pulling. You throw the damn thing in the garbage because now you got to have a component chassis to step up to that next level. You have create, you have lowered the barrier to competition down to, if I want to, if I want to pull with an organization that has a shield involved and in that, and some of you smart asses refer to the NTPA as one of the shield. You need to look at PPL's design too, okay? If you want to pull with a shield on your shoulder, you go component, who's going to want to do that? Is Are there those guys who want to step up and, and want to just shit can their whole program now? Let me see. I get to save uh, my seat, my harnesses my steering wheel, and my tires, and everything else goes away. Well, we got new guys who want to build. They want to build component. Four. Meanwhile, the other 50 who already built for it and already did what was necessary to build to that rule spec as it existed have told you no. Well, but we got we got new guys. Who? Where? How many? Ghosts, three, eight, you're going to get 50 for eight? No, no, I, I don't agree with it. I think it's a bunch of shit. Um, if, if you want to grow, if you're, if you are on the ladder and that's what we always talk about, how do we grow pulling? We got to have ladders. We got to have these progression points. To grow through classes with what you've already got with having to, without having to spend more, more money on a massive scale. And we all know what a component chassis costs. You've already spent the money to hog the shit out of your cast stuff to run your, your pro farm class with an IPL, with a 
West Michigan pullers with the TTPA with a central Ohio tractor pullers association. And there's thousands, not thousands, but there's hundreds of these groups are out there. You already spent the money to do that because you know, it's a competitive advantage. And now I want, I I want to go on TPA. Now I want to go PPL. I want to go outlaws. Oh, now I got to have component. What's the incentive? Do you have a deep enough pocketbook to trash your whole setup and go there? I don't think so. And I think it it stifles the growth and, and the ability of people to move up the ladder into so-called sanctioned professional level pulling. If you go component on classes that have traditionally been ag, ag and don't, don't tell me all oh, super stock and pro stock are traditionally ag. Eh, no. Okay. There was a reason for those and they went component 20 years ago, 20 years. All right. If you want to pull component, there is a class for that. Step your shit up, go pro stock, go super stock, go open slash unlimited super stock. Go, go what is light super stock. The component rule, the, uh, the best example I can give you of where light suit, where, of, of where component rule trashed a class, there were 30, 40, 50 light supers up in the late 1990s. All of a sudden, light super goes component. And yes, today, we can now, we can now, 20, 19, 20 years later, we can, we can get to maybe 40 at a show. But all that, all that old iron either got parked or a lot of it became light limited supers. And now you want to do the same damn evisceration to a light limited super class that is working nationwide. I, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. That's enough of the dead horse weapon. That's where I'm at on, on those, those topics for tonight. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I, I marvel at the guy, I listen to a lot of sports radio and I marvel at the guys who can every single day talk about the same damn topic and, and just whip the living shit out of it every single day and, and make a living doing it. I get so frustrated because this has got to be, I don't know, the sixth, 10th time we've, that I, we, well, you include Drew in this probably me the dozenth time, but me personally, probably five or sixth time I've had to talk about component chassis on sidetracked. I'm really freaking tired of talking about it and it's where I'm at. And I think what's, I think it's what's right. And I don't, I, I don't pretend to know all the answers, but I think I pretty got a pretty good rocking chair on the sport and understand where it should be. And right now that's where my pulse is enough. I'm done. Uh, something that did, I, I do want to go back into, back into time on. And that was, uh, it's always been a hot topic on this show. And as I said, I didn't really want to be talking then. Uh, excuse me. That is the release of the NTPA 2021 rulebook. Now there wasn't much of a 2020 to really base things on admittedly. The two that, that really stuck in my mind We'll do the easy one first. That's light limited super is adopted now with NTPA. I'm not sure if that's going to be a good thing or not. I kind of sort of maybe feel like it might actually be a bad thing. As I said, it has worked so well for the better part of the better part of 18 years or more. 
maybe longer, depending on your proximity to the Ohio River Valley, that I just, I'm so scared that a good thing is going to get trashed. And the, the rules that were adopted are pretty much on par with what is out there uh, nationally. And it's still, it's still a regionalized class, and, and I understand why. The class is successful enough where within a particular region, you don't have to travel to get competitive hooks. You can stay local. You can stay within a, say, 200-mile radius of home and get good paying, good competitive classes and, and, and fill a calendar with that. You don't have to go to a traveling, so to speak, uh, circuit to find that competition. So I'm, I'll be watching it to see who steps up and goes. But beyond that, I'm kind of, I'm kind of worried. I'm worried that it'll draw enough away that the local circuits may suffer because they won't get the entries. By the same token, it now becomes that drag race of the pocketbooks. So, because now, now the, now it's got NTPA sanction, but within the rules, they generally hit all the major points. One thing that has been discussed in uh, conversations with me, and I tend to agree with it, is is the idea of, of checking cubic inches, to, especially on the diesel side, to keep guys honest. Is it going to be checked to make sure that that guy with a, an intercooler really is 410? How do you know he's not 470? How do you know he's not... 540 for God's sake. And I'm not saying there's, I'm not, I'm not saying there's somebody out there who is, I'm not saying that. I just want to know what are going to be the enforcement points to ensure that we've got 470 non-intercooled, 410 intercooled, 370 Alki, 360 dual charger, 315 dual charger. Do we really know? And I have not seen a historical willingness to police that. It's it's relied always upon the damn protest rule. You know, fly not, put your money up. No, bullshit. You're the sanctioning body. You set the rules. You enforce it. Enforce it from the get-go. Establish the credibility and set it right. Don't Don't fall back on a protest rule to find out. Because guess how many times that that gets somebody gets their wallet out? Oh, November 20, never. It doesn't happen. So there's all this speculation, there's all this shit talking, and there's all this animosity, and next thing you know, nobody wants to pull, and now it's, it, the class is gone. You put it out there, enforce the damn rule. Uh, the next one was the change with the diesel supers. Uh, putting a cap in on cubic inches at 540. Um, I feel like I, I, I know the guys, a few of the guys in the class on, on some level, and I, I sort of understand where this one came from. I'm disappointed in it. I really had a, a passion for the big cubic inch, and I liked seeing the competition between the 544 charger and and the, the big inch three charger guys, but I also know that the big inch guys have all really struggled um, I, I'm pretty sure Rosses were running a big inch one and they've scattered plenty. John Raymond was definitely running big inch and scattered plenty. Schlebach has run big inch and scattered plenty. Um, 
the Blade Graves tried it in, I think, 16 and 17. I believe they were big inch. And then it was either 18 or 19. They got rid of it and went back to a 544 charger. Um, I, I don't, I don't think overall, actually, I think overall it's going to enhance the class because it's going to keep more guys competitive. Uh, Blagers and Burgess both have shown that a 544 charger is as competitive as the big inch three chargers are. They, they really are. And they and they are, there is a reliability piece to that, but man, they're just the bellow and the sound of the big inch trackers. And, and if somebody could figure hit on a combo and really make it live, I really think it would have been fascinating. And and it's not it's not forbidden completely. You're just going to have to run it with the open supers or the unlimited supers and PPL. That's the only thing. And uh, I don't know. Some dumbass with a big enough pocketbook might try it. And I'll be dumbass number one if uh, I win the Powerball. So how's that? A little, dis- little sad to see it go, but I get it. And uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what 2021 brings with the diesel supers, which are admittedly my favorite class. Now for something, a couple different things, 2021, look into the future. I have never been uh, as booked into the future as an announcer as I am going into 2021. And I am as much as 2020 has sucked. This is one area where 2021 for me has gone very, very well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm over the moon with the opportunities that have been presented to me. And one of the biggest ones, uh, has, has come in the form of diversifying actually away from tractor pulling a little bit in the drag racing side. I got to participate with Adam Blattenberg and Fabian Ortiz and Natalie Ortiz and Amy Gilbert at the diesel world events that took place at, uh, Wagler Motorsports Park this summer, some drag races that were done just because we, we couldn't race. Everything was shut down from COVID. There's going to be a deal where, look, we're going to, we're going to come in. We're going to do, do a deal with, uh, an ODSS style format, outlaw diesel super series format and, and live stream it. And with the first one, particularly no crowd there, there, no one, uh, second one where we, where we were at down there in Lyons, Indiana, we were allowed to have some spectators there and there were a few, Still live streamed it. Still same format, though the uh, social distancing and, and trying to be careful and and respectful, and it came off well. Uh, that uh, got me the opportunity to essentially audition at uh, Rocky Top Diesel Shootout Seven in Crossville, Tennessee. Michael Dalton and and the RLC Motorsports Gang ODSS Drag Race down down there in Crossville in July. I I, I did. I tried to give it my best, but it was new to me and I was trying to pick it up on the fly and, and really understand it and do better with it. But, um, loved the environment, loved the atmosphere, the, the ODSS pit area atmosphere and the camaraderie of the competitors is everything that tractor pulling is. If not, I'm going to challenge you guys. They might do it better than you. Um, just loved what it was. And put everything I had into it. And, and on top of that, you know, my, my tastes of it at ultimate call out challenge and hoped it went well to see what it would be. Well, come this fall after, after the close of the season, 
Greg Jolly reached out to me and said, are you interested in doing the entire season for ODSS in 2021? Looked at the calendar and within, I'm going to say 36 hours, we had a, we had an agreement and yes, I am, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the whole ODSS season, uh, drag race season. Uh, uh, it's going to take me to North Carolina twice. Ohio, Indiana twice, uh, Virginia, Tennessee, Florida, and I couldn't be happier. I, I'm looking forward to this on so many levels. I love the guys who are involved in it. The popular misconception of diesel bros, quote unquote, flat brims and ridiculous sunglasses and sparkly jeans. That's not there. It really isn't. They're guys who just, they just want to go fast. They love diesel and they want to race. Same as you, same as me, same as any puller. They just want to compete and that's it. And family atmosphere, I really appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to that next year. Doesn't mean I'm abandoning pulling. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still going to be at plenty of tractor pulls. Uh, starting off in January, um, I had, I've been saying I was not going to make it to Shipshawana for the Gordyville replacement, the Gordywana deal. I will be there on Saturday. Uh, I will for sure have a camera in my hand. I might wind up with a microphone in my hand. Not promising anything. Nothing's been promised to me. I'll leave it there. Irresponsible speculation reigns from here. Uh, the week after that, I travel out to Enola, Oklahoma, which is just a stone's throw east of Tulsa for the Winter Nationals uh, out there. Antique pole, outlaw style deals, basically the same rules as Tunica, Mississippi, although we are going to have some enforcement of RPMs because Ripums have gotten a little silly uh, on some of the antique classes. We're going to keep an eye on that. And it's really, it's yes, it's a competitive thing, but it's also a safety deal too. I, I, last thing I want is anybody to get hurt and, and scatter parts and, and wreck a good deal. Uh, was out there last year for the first time, had an absolute ball. Uh, River Bend's arena in Enola, Oklahoma is the place. Uh, you can find stuff on Facebook about this deal. It is, it's a, it's a rodeo style arena. So there's, it's open sides, so to speak. So it's not, not a climate controlled pulling atmosphere. So it can be kind of chilly, but on the flip side, I'm going to offer you this. There is a steakhouse inside the building. So if you go hungry, it's your own damn fault. Now, I don't know with, again, I don't know with the COVID crap, what, what their serving restrictions might be. Maybe you won't be able to eat in the restaurant, but I can't imagine they won't be serving us. And uh, it'd be a good time. And after that, I don't know. I got no plans until the last weekend of April when ODSS season starts uh, with the Rudy Spring event at um, Piedmont Dragway in North Carolina, and we'll just go from there. The last thing I want to talk about is uh, we're motorsports fans around here, and this is a huge deal if you missed it. Probably about three weeks ago, the Bahrain GP, a Formula One race, Romain Grosjean's class crash into the Armco barrier where he gets out of that fireball. What was left of the Newman Haas Ferrari F1 car. Oh my goodness. You've got to find this. You've got to see it. We talk about safety and we ham hammer on that on this show and it's important. And here is it's, it's a different sport, but it is such a 
representative piece of why it matters. When Formula One went to the halo, carbon fiber halos over the cockpit for driver protection, hated it. I hated it. It was aesthetically hideous. I much prefer IndyCar's chosen high screen look. It just, it looks better. But, but having seen this wreck, totally on board. Absolutely a believer. Um, He's coming out of a turn. There's a scrum in front of him. He cuts across another car and gets clipped. That spins him sideways, right, left side first, into an Armco wing wall, three rails. And the car hits it at, I didn't take notes on the speed, but it was fast. He, the aerial shot shows he does get on the brake once he's off track and before he hits it. But I mean, we're talking less than a split second with a braking time before impact. The hit is so severe, the entire back half of the car separates and goes away um, down track. Not, and not very far, actually. The, the Armco did absorb a fair amount of the hit and arrested that advancement. But the monocoque, the carbon fire monocoque, goes between the bottom rail and the second rail through through the wall. And the track designers say, well, it was intended to do that to dissipate energy. Eh. Maybe a subject for another show and we require much more nerdgasm on my part to do studies, but I I don't necessarily like that explanation, but I understand where a harder one would have resulted in more felt G-forces for Olmain as a driver and potentially catapulted the entire monocoque back into oncoming traffic and cause a bigger accident. But anyway, so this thing gets wedged at a 45 degree angle in the Armco and it ruptures the fuel cells and he's in a fireball. And this goes on. It's it, the, the video is terrifying. He's in this fireball and all you can think the first time you see it is, Oh my God, he's going to die. He's going to burn to death in there. And after I, I'd have to play it back I don't know, t- 25, 30 seconds, all of a sudden he just pops out of there and springs over the guardrail. And it's like, Oh my God, where I'm getting, I'm getting choked up even now thinking about it again. Where did he come from? How did he survive that? And after the fires put out and you see the pictures of where the, foam shoulder restraints that are detachable out of, out of the cockpit are sitting and cocked and how, what, and, and read his description of how he got out the direction he took to get out of there and how he survived it with only really burns on his hands. And he's had either two or three surgeries in the intervening weeks, minor surgeries on his hands. He's had, he had a skin graft for one. And I think he had some prior tendon damage on, on a hand from a, an accident years ago that they had to address. So, so second surgery, he's, he's fine. As far as that goes, how, how did he pop the hell out of there? And how was he not hurt from G force or impact damage? And then 
how did he get out? And he said he did have to fight his way out. One of his shoes got stuck uh, under the wedged under the pedals, and he had to wrench himself out of there. He had to fight to do it, but he got out. It just, uh, if you believe in God, watch, watch that and tell me that God was not watching over Romain Grosjean and that wreck because you're full of shit, pure and simple. And the only injustice really in all of it is that that was going to be his final race in F1. He was, he was not going to be renewed and picked up by Newman Haas for 2021. Um, he, for his own part, publicly anyway, has said he made his peace with that. And his, his only disappointment was he didn't get to at least go drive one more time. But with a family, and I, I believe he has children, you know, he, he, he said he made his peace with it. I think he's, full, he, he's a racer. He's full of shit. He, he wants to be back in that car in 2021. But uh, he won't be. So that's where I'm going to leave it. We're pressing up against uh, one hour for the show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in. And um, I don't know. I've said in the past, we're going to try to keep this deal rolling, keep keep doing shows. And my momentum has sucked. So no promises. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you again soon. And thanks for hanging in. All right. Good night. Be well. Merry Christmas. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, it though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. That's right. It sucks.